I decided that I was going to live off of my rental properties. I was going to live a life by design based on my rental properties so I could choose to work versus have to work. And I built a plan and I worked off my numbers and I bought properties. Welcome to Grid Talk, a podcast about real estate entrepreneurs, visionaries, and the stories behind the legacies they're creating. I'm your host, Rob Chavez, and on today's show, I have Richard Schulman, who runs an awesome real estate team out of LA. He's been able to buy and manage and accumulate an awesome portfolio of properties in one of the most expensive counties in the country. Let's listen in and find out how he did it. I love it. I love Modern Family. They film that in my neighborhood. I live in okay. Modern Family neighborhood. Well, hey, great fam. <laughs> I got Richard Schulman who watches Modern Family, and I'm so excited to have him here pouring into us. Um, we're gonna have what we call the grid talk. Uh, we're gonna talk a little bit about um, how he's built his business. And what we were talking about just, just a little bit ago was that um, he lives in uh, at West LA, and he's been able to create freedom of time right through this business through building cash flow properties so we're going to unpack that a little bit uh richard also runs a highly successful team within keller williams realty part of uh gary keller's top 100 um i believe i, I read in your bio actually w- at one point you were top top team in the in the in the cut in the in number two number two in the company right <laughs> that's awesome what year was that by the way so four times I was in the top five individual or team, which is really cool. But the numbers then I think it was like 12, 13, 14, 15, something like that, or like 13 through 16. But the numbers I was doing then were like, I don't know, maybe my best year in that going to win the award was maybe 60 million in gross sales, which is really good. But we'll do that first quarter this year and I'll be like, you know, hopefully a top 20 expansion team in the company that, I mean, you know, the goalposts have moved a lot, which is great. Cause that's, you know, that's what keeps us going. 100%. I mean, what, what's so great about that is people just keep pushing that envelope and we have to become better and better business people. Right. And well, let me ask you a question. When you got in the real estate, I mean, this has been, this has been your sole career, right? Pretty much yeah. you did this, you know, right out of school. Um, what was like, what was the intention in the beginning? And then how did that intention evolve and how did you decide to get into the rental game? Um, and you know what, something that I'm super, uh, find super exciting about you is that you can live off your rentals, right? Not a lot of people can say that. And that's amazing. So kind of walk me through that journey and help Mm -hmm. me understand what that, that thinking process, uh, evolved and what would it look like? Yeah, so I mean, I have a long answer, so just cut me off when it gets boring. Sure, no, no, go for it. <laughs> but, you know, look, um, I didn't have the benefit of training and this environment of like, you know, collaborative podcast or vlog or, you know, whatever we're calling this conversation, like that didn't really exist in 2004 when I started. I'm not, I'm not gonna tell you about using a fax machine, right? But like, there was no training. I started a different brand. They're like, go sell real estate. And when you have a problem, let us know. And I was like, my problem is I don't know how to sell real estate, right? <laughs> go figure it out. They literally, they literally told me, go sell a house. And when you're in escrow, come help, we'll show you what to do. And I'm like, I don't know how to do that. So it took me nine months to get into escrow. 
Um, I almost quit because wow, I had no nine months. Yeah, I mean, I was lucky. I sold three houses in month ten. Otherwise, you know, I'd probably, you know, be a stockbroker or something terrible right now. Um, but <laughs> look, basically, I I was very observant. You know, I had a good uh, financial upbringing, um, so I knew I knew I knew what I knew. Money was important. I guess we'll say I don't think everyone knows that money is important, and not in a way that like, you know, I don't idolize wealth. You know, I'm not jealous of that of the of the guy on instagram who has the private plane i'm like i'm a little jealous but not i'm not gonna like kill myself for that but i knew that like money would be like an important thing to have in in volume i had that sense about it but not no clarity i'll get back to that in a second and i always watched the other agents in my office and we talked about sales volume i was at the number two office for a major brand in la so it's at one of their premier offices and their big hitters were doing 15 17 20 million a year which I don't want to say is laughable because it's totally respectable, but could you imagine a real estate office, like a premier flagship office where the top agents are doing between 15 and $20 million in sales. And we're talking about even in 2004, 800,000 average price point in LA. Um, and, but, but so anyway, that was interesting. What was really interesting to me is I would say, Oh, look at, look at Rob Chavez. He's so, he's been around for a while. He's doing 20 million a year in sales. He's making a lot of money. And I look up, on the property records, what does Rob own? What does that mean, right? I'm living at home with my parents. What does it mean to me to do $20 million in sales? My first year I did four and a half million in sales. And I'd look, and by the way, I have no judgment, like I mentioned, it's not, not about judgment, it's about in, in your head, the lifestyle that you wanna to get to. And I look and Rob Chavez was selling this much real estate. I gotta get on camera here. And it, he was living in this house and I couldn't figure out why. And again, there's zero judgment, but like, why are you why are you making this much and your house is this much when you sell real estate right if you go to the bmw dealer they drive a nice bmw right they don't drive like a toyota like what's going on there's there's this disconnect and i just i started like it's just really not at me like what's going on i realized realtors as you know people are watching you know, realtors are terrible with money i mean really bad with money and they just didn't have any planning and realtors are actually really bad about the one thing that we should be good at uh, is buying and owning property, right? And so we talked about our mutual friend, Haro had said something in that like, in, in the stock market is called insider trading, but here in real estate, just it's what you do, right? You buy what you know. So anyways, yeah. I'm going to, lot of, I know I'm getting some signals to wrap it up, so I'll, I'll hurry up, but. No, 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 no signals. No, 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 I'm like, I totally agree. No we signals. We can edit this later, right? You can edit for time. Uh, so. Look, here's the big moment for me. I was living at home. I started doing decently well. I was you know, making a little bit of money, doing four or five, six million a year. It's not terrible, not great, but not terrible. And I'm, I'm it's, so it's, we're, now we're in 2000, um, 2008, I had to think about that. Two, so was my fourth year and foreclosures hit, right? All of a sudden I go from selling like regular people, $800,000 homes. All of a sudden I'm selling like, two, three, $400,000 homes and condos, everything halved in value here. And I'm just selling to investors, right? So I meet like Rob, the hotshot doctor wants to come look at properties and I'd sell you three condos and that was cool. And then your accountant bought two condos for me. And then the accountant's sister bought, you know, a house for me all, you know, when the houses are 300 K in Los Angeles, I mean, you don't think about it. It was a great business, right? I mean, I don't know. Everyone has a different price point, but in 2008, when I say, hey, Rob, you want to buy this house? It's 350. It used to be 700. You're like, okay, do I just give you a check or like, do I, I mean, there's no like, what's the kitchen look like? It's just like, sure, it's a great deal. It's like, you know, we're at yeah. Walmart for houses, right? 
we don't actually have Walmart here, so I'm just guessing from what I've seen. On the- <laughs> um, so anyways, uh, maybe it's like Costco for houses. So anyways, the, yeah. the big, this is the big moment and I'll to get to the point is I'm showing this, I'm showing this doctor, one of these like hotshot investor doctors, guys like I have 10 minutes between patients. I'll come look at this property. I showed him a condo, suburban LA for 268, right? It had sold for 445, 18 months before it declined. Check the math, call it 10 bucks an hour, $10 an hour for 18 months. It's for sale for 268. It rents for, I don't know, 21, 2300 at the time. It's cash flow positive with 20% down. And it's a nice place. It's remodeled. It's nice complex. Everything's cool. Now you got to buy this. It's 268. There's a line of people to buy it, just like there is today in 2021. There's a line of people to buy this, but you got to buy this. He's like, give them, you know, one of these guys, give them 230, right? If, if any any realtors listening will know that interaction where you're just like, ugh. No, I'm like, no. No, no, no. You don't understand. It's 268, and you should be like, Send them a thank you card if they sell it to you for that price. It's a good deal. So he's like two thirty or nothing, and I'm like, I'm not even gonna write that for you. And then I realized, you know, two and a half percent on two sixty eight is sixty five hundred dollar commission rip, right? That's not a lot of money. Let's say that place was making five hundred bucks a month profit. Well, okay, I'm starting to do some math in my head. I'm like killing myself to make sixty five hundred dollars, which is not bad money, right? I'm not. I still kill myself to make sixty five hundred dollars selling real estate. But I mean, it's not bad money. I just buy it. I can for I can afford it. I have the down payment, so I bought it. And then I I actually moved in. And then three months later, I bought the exact same condo, not two sixty eight, a little bit worse for two fifty. When I rented that, I started making five hundred bucks a month. Mm-hmm. Pretty easy, right? So I hope I didn't answer the question. I was like, what's the journey like? There was no thought process. It just sort of happened, you know, slowly and then all at once. But I just realized that. As realtors, we're, you know, we're not investing in real estate. We're not taking advantage of the product knowledge and the access that we have. And look, I still own that condo. It's worth 450 today. It's back to where it started out. I make thousand bucks a month now instead of 500 bucks a month. And I haven't been there in 10 years. I haven't stepped foot in the property, maybe in 12 years. I rented it to a real estate agent for a long time. You know, it's great. Um, So anyways, there's no, there's no process. It was just like, why aren't we doing more of this? This is why we should be doing real estate is because we have access to this amazing stuff. I'll stop talking. Sorry. No, no, 100%. I mean, it, that was my epiphany in 2008. I'm like, everything's half half price in our market. And, you know, I looked at the rent to purchase ratio in the MLS and I was like, this, I, I can't, I can't find when this has ever happened in our market. And I was like, let's just let's just buy it. Like, like I'll buy one a month, you know, fix it up, put tenants into it, refinance the cash back out. You know, they, they call it the bird method now, but that wasn't the bird method. Like that, that wasn't coined at the time. We were just, that's how you had to do it. Right. You had to get these commercial loans because nobody was residential market was freaking out at the time. Right. So we mm-hmm. bond cash, fix them up. We then refi, we'd get our money back out and then we do it again. And I remember just thinking, Man, just everything that we're doing, you know, there's this process in my mind of creating earned income, whether you're a wholesaler, whether you're an agent or you're in construction or you're a builder and you create that income so that you can buy assets like these at discounted prices, right? Mm -hmm. The insider trading portion that you're talking about and that, you know, that that's just becomes the model, right? Whether you're hardcore flipper, investor, 
or you're an agent. We're all we're all in the same business. It's an earned income kind of business. You got to move over to the other side. And every year you got to buy one, two, three, four. And, you know, it was funny because I thought I was a collector until I met you. And that and then I realized you're a collector, right? You, 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 you kind of move. You did these condos. And what I want to hear is kind of the journey of the condos. And you did, I think, some small multifamily. And then you started, you know, well, how, how many doors do you have now? Like what? What is that? I think you actually counted the number of toilets you had when we talked before. But 126 toilets that I own. 126 toilets, right? That should be the new, like the new metric. Is don't tell me how many doors. Like how many toilets are you responsible for? Because I just, I just went through all my plumbing bills, right? I got all my plumbing bills, so I got like, I got like 15 a month of unstopping things and clearing. <laughs> now, actually, that brings up a good question. Are you self-managing? Do you have a manager at this point? I mean, that's a yeah. lot of toilets. So I have a hybrid model of doing that. I, you know, I don't know a lot of people who own real estate who have it managed outside. And I don't want to say anything bad about a manager, a property manager's listening or people who do have that. I, you know, I know myself, I have, I have a client with four figures of, of doors and I, I, I've sold hundreds of properties to people to be held as investments. Other than some people who have like left the area or left the country or they're a surgeon and they're just unavailable wide periods of time. I really don't know any people, I'd say any regular people that have property managers. So my wife's a bookkeeper, thank God. I've never paid a bill in my life. I have no idea how to even do that. So <laughs> I stick to what I know. I, I just started having one of my team members be like the manager, but I'm still the backstop. Mm -hmm. And I have my team do the leasing. My sales team does the, you know, the, one of them does the management and, you know, Look, you can automate a lot of these processes. Like I, you know, uh, I give all my tenants a letter. I don't have it. I'll send you a copy, Rob. But it's like when they start with me, I send them an email. It tells them how to pay rent on Cash App or PayPal or Venmo. So I get most of my rent electronically. You know, a few of them are doing checks, which I have to track down sometimes. Uh, they all have the plumber's number, and instead of paying a manager, they just call the plumber. I said, "Do you have a plumbing problem? Don't call me. I don't. I don't have to do. I'm not touching your your toilet." I have a plumber, they'll come out. I have a fixed price for them for a service call and they send me a bill at the end of the month. Easy, right? So when you say manage, it's like, you know, I have 70 doors. Yeah. Um, my wife spent a few hours a, a month, um, you know, processing checks, paying paying mortgages and such. Um, you know, my guy spends probably 50, I mean, I'm gonna guess 20 hours a month on management stuff. We've had some challenges and I pay, I pay an agent to do the leasing. So I don't do that much work on management anymore. But it's very doable. Yeah. If you have 10 doors, don't, you have to manage it yourself because you can't trust someone yeah. else. Yeah, yeah. Unless unless it's you know really far away, like you said. I mean, we we have a small portfolio that's three hours away from where we live. It's a completely different world. Um, it's a completely different product type, and so we we you know those we we've given to a manager. That makes uh, sense. But the ones in our backyard, we we self manage. You know, my wife does the accounting too. She does all the accounting for them. So, yeah, man. So, so you've automated a lot of these systems and these processes. You're still actively selling real estate. You love yeah. doing that. I, like when I talk to you, you're like, hey, I, I love that. I'm in the relationship business. I know what I'm good at. That's what I do, right? What, you know, are you at a stage where you just want to stabilize your asset base? Do you want to continue buying more? Like what, what are you thinking? Like what's the next five, 10 years look like for this, you know, or, 
Or are you just like, hey? Yeah. <laughs> I go, I go back and forth. You know, the with COVID, the last twelve months um, has been very challenging. Like our maintenance has been a lot more as our tenants are in the units a lot more, and they're wearing down the units much faster. So a lot more maintenance challenges, a lot more move out. So look, today I don't really want to own a lot more properties, but. I know that if we see another wave of properties, I, I don't know what's going to happen, right? You know, who yeah. knows? Uh, if we see another wave of properties coming at defaulted, distressed pricing, I mean, I'm a collector, right? You said I'm a collector. I assume it's from the MREI, Millionaire Real Estate Investor book. But I, I, how do you say no, right? How do you say no to a deal on properties if you're a property person, right? If you're, yeah. if you're a car guy, you buy cars when there's a good deal on cars, even if you have enough cars. So, yeah, that's true. You look at them and you're like, hey, this is just, I understand this asset class. I know what it rents for. I know what it sells for. It's it's kind of like Caro said, it's like you you have all the inside knowledge, right? I, we're on the podcast. Let's, oh, let's yeah, definitely going to get him on. Definitely going to get him on. <laughs> you know, and, and it's probably how Warren Buffett is when he looks at businesses, right? It's just like, hey, he just he just knows. Right. Well, I'll tell you how I think of it. And I think mindset is really important in this in this process for people, because I think that people were really bad at planning. Right. I don't know if you've ever heard of like the marshmallow test for kids. Right. You can Google that. Not that exciting. But basically, you, you give a kid a marshmallow. You say, if you wait 15 minutes, you can have two marshmallows. And like humans are just not tremendous at that. But I think that as real estate agents or whatever you do, I think it's very hard to to make a line. Like I look back and say, Oh, that was pretty easy. Actually. I bought all these properties, but like it was like one in 2009 and one in 2008 and two in 2010. And it's very slowly for a long period of time. I, you know, I have a very strong picture of where I want to be financially. Like I have a number in my head. I have a four page spreadsheet. I'm very connected. I know that what I have to sell every month to keep on track for my goals. And I know that if I sell Rob, you and your wife, a house, I'm going to make some money doing that. And I know that that's part of, you know, that's a percentage of a down payment on the next property. And when I buy a property, I don't look at it as three toilets, right? I look at it as this property makes $500 a month. And what can I do with $500 a month, right? Oh, $500 a month is $6,000 a year. And you know what? That'll pay for like a decent vacation for my family, right? Mm -hmm. well, I buy this condo or whatever it is, right? I just know if I buy this condo, I'm going to pay for a vacation every year for my family, right? Unit four is sending us on a trip every year, right? Mm -hmm. I know that I have three little kids and they all hopefully have to go to college one day. And I know that I can pay for that out of the property. I know that if I take these five properties, that'll pay for college for all of them or something like that. It, it's, there's an absolute ironclad connection there and you have to have that. Otherwise it's not worth it if you don't know what the value is. Yeah, I, I love that. And Richard, do you, I mean, are you that drilled in with your spreadsheet where you, you know, like you sell something, you're going to take a percentage of, of whatever you're going to earn and it's, it's going into a separate account for a down payment or like, I mean, is it that drilled in? Yeah. That, that's I mean, awesome. Right now I'm not, I'm not buying anything right now. I'm in a holding pattern, but yeah. when I was buying stuff heavily from like 10 to 18, yeah, it was like, I need a hundred K for my average down payment, let's say. And I just knew like, okay, I have to sell, I have to sell 200,000 in commissions to make hundred K for a down payment. And that was the plan was go raise 200 K pay taxes and expenses, profit, hopefully net 50. 
and put that put that hundred into a down payment on a property or whatever the, whatever the number was at the time for the properties. And I knew that the property would get me, you know, I, I knew that I wanted to get a replacement level of income. So an exercise that you guys should all do who are listening is understand what does it cost you to live every month, right? We everyone has different living expenses, different parts of the country. You know, my guys when I coach them on this come up with ten thousand dollars a month a lot. Okay. Well, if you need ten thousand dollars a month, it's one hundred twenty thousand dollars a year. It's, it's a big number. You know, we have a high cost of living here in LA. Um, one hundred twenty a year. Okay. Well, you know, if you can get a ten percent return, which is really high, you need a million to cash invest in real estate at ten percent, and then you can live off that forever, right? Mm-hmm. Or if you're a five percent return, you need two point four million. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's how drilled in you should be, and. You, you can't treat buying property as a cat. I mean, sure, you casually you want to go buy two properties. Sure, it's a casual thing. You want to go live off your rental real estate. You need to make it a business, right? I run my real estate business, same as yours, right? I know my numbers. I know my leads and conversion and staff and, you know, agents and what they're doing. Like, there's no reason to treat your real estate differently. And that was a mistake, by the way. These are things I've learned, not things I knew, right? I learned a lot sure. of things the hard way. What are some of those lessons you learned the hard way? I'm just curious. Um, <laughs> what, I don't know if there's a lesson. But it's a funny story. I think I shared it before, but uh, I was buying property in Inglewood, California, like way before it was cool. That, now they have the stadium there, right? So now it's like the hot spot. But I was there when it was like, you know, people didn't want to go there. And I was buying stuff, 63 a door, 75, 85 a door two bedroom condo in LA. I mean, this is crazy pricing. Those things yeah. are worth six times that now. Um, and this guy calls me, I know all the brokers knew me. I was like the only guy buying stuff there and you can get a mortgage. I just pay cash and close in five days. Cause like, what are you gonna get a mortgage for $42,000? It's not worth it. Um, and you, you probably couldn't anyways. So this guy calls me, he says, Richard, I got a three bedroom. Three bedrooms nice. Those are a little harder to find out. Okay. What do you got a three bedroom for? 110,000. I said, I said, I said a, a, a bad word. I won't say that on your on your video here. But I said, don't ever call me again with a hundred thousand a door and waste my time. Okay, no one's paying a hundred thousand. It was hundred ten. No one's paying a hundred thousand a door for condos in Inglewood, and that that property's worth half a million dollars now. So yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've been there. You know, it's interesting because I'll I'll interview a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of investors that have been in the business. 30, 40 years, and I'll ask them, what's your biggest regret? And the biggest regret, all of them, hands down, one, that they sold a lot of their stuff along the way, that they didn't hold more of their assets because they're like, you know, I sold these assets and today they're worth why, right? Yeah. And, um, and they're like, I wish I just kept more. And, and yet they made a lot of money along the way when they sold. But it's just the name of the game is to is to figure out a way to create that earned income without mm-hmm. killing the golden goose that's going to pay you later on, right? Yeah. And that's uh, just a lesson I learned along the way. I kept selling properties to investors turnkey, and I was like, "Why am I doing that?" Right? I'm literally this was such a hard deal to find. I'm selling it to them turnkey, and I'm making a small commission on it when I should be owning these assets and owning. Yeah. Right. I flipped one property because we I needed the money to roll into another project and I sold it for I don't know 350 or something. It's worth twice as much now. I made call it 50k in profit, but I needed I was 100% cash into it. 
I needed the money for a project we lined up, which actually fell through, unfortunately. But mm -hmm. it was a big project. It was a big home run ball. We could swing it. And the lesson I learned, I really personally am not a fan of flipping. I think flipping's, you know, I, I think the only thing that matters is cash flow. Yeah. Right. Making and if you're if you're a flipper out there, I will call, I will go on the call and argue this with you anytime you want. I think the only thing that matters. Oh, is I love flow. that. We're gonna do this on a battle of the investors. Get someone right? on the phone right now. Okay. And all that matters is cash flow. That one property I flipped, yeah, I made 50K. I mean, that's a lot of money. I'm not gonna thumb my nose at that. It's worth double now. So I, I lost out on three, 400K in equity appreciation. And I probably, I think at the time I figured I'd make $1,000 a month renting it. Let's say I sold it, I don't know, seven years ago, 84 months ago. I passed up on $84,000 plus on cash flow rental income. Yeah. Why? Why do people don't? So, well, you have about lessons? Like, I mean, the only thing you should be worried about is cash flow. I'll give you one more quick story. Because actually my wife did this. So you can give her credit. Her name's Beth. You can put in the show notes. Okay. But, um, my first condo in Inglewood, the asking price was $59,000 and the comp was 57. And I said, okay, well, we'll just write you a check. We'll give you 60K and we'll do the deal. And the property got like 14 offers. And the seller comes back to us and says, you're the strongest buyer. You're an agent, five day close, all cash but it's 90K. I'm like, I'm not paying 50% over list price. And my wife is like, well, does it cash flow? I'm like, well, we don't have a mortgage on it, right? So it does. It was renting for 1400 a month. So even if I had a mortgage, it would be, I mean, just printing money. Unbelievable. Right yeah. She's like, what do you, what does it matter if it's 90K? It's renting for 1400. You're going to make $1,200 or actually $1,000 a month net on that. I'm like, it's a good point. Yeah. So we bought it. So all the marriage is cash flow. Beth is so smart. I mean, I remember, yeah. I, I, you know, one of, one of the biggest regrets I have is by 2012, 2013, because I bought everything at such a deep discount in 2008 and 2009, that yeah. by 2013, 2014, I thought everything was overpriced. And yet everything's still cash flowed. But I was like, why would I buy it for 200 when I bought it just a couple of years ago for a buck 20, right? And I'm like, I wake up today and I'm like, I want to go back in time and be like, what were you thinking, right? What were you thinking, Rob? What were you thinking? And, and so this is just a cautionary tale to anybody listening to this. Like all that matters is cash flow. Does it cash flow? Yeah. Hey, don't, cash be flow. don't be reckless, right? Don't be reckless. That's right. What, you what, make what, a good cash flow, do that. What's your, everybody seems to have like their standard for what they want as a, as a uh, return on their capital or what their cat, what, what the, the minimum, if the property has to cash flow after all expenses and mm -hmm. insurance taxes, property management, the, do you have a particular number? Are you looking for like a rate of return on your cash or what is it that you, you want? Yeah, so we, we do it. A, I have a partner on some of these, who's a mortgage broker. And um, I mean, basically we want to see, I mean, we, like, we haven't bought anything in a while because the numbers aren't there. Um, and I'm not going to chase deals. Don't chase bad deals. Just to just to say you own something, you got to make good buys. But um, we had generally were looking to see something about 10%, and we would do cash on cash, and we would include principal reduction. Mm. I don't know why. That's just how we did it. There's not like that's not the only way to do it. You can do it any way you want. We just thought that was the best way to do it. So if we can hit around 10 cash on cash, that's net profit plus principal reduction divided by our cash down payment plus our equity investment if we had to do any upgrades, then we were probably a buyer, like without thinking too hard about it. And we would go down to 8%. Like we bought something, we actually bought something at 5% rate of return was one of our last purchases, but it was on such a cherry piece of land. 
like upzone yeah. piece of land by a new train line coming in. Uh, we just we went down to five on it because we thought we want to have this property long term. And so yeah, I'm still making five percent return on that one, and I have a lot of trouble with that property. But I'm really glad that I own that piece of land because look, you also have to remember. Let's say on that one, I put down uh, it was like a 700k purchase. We put down like what 100, I call it 200,000 down just for fun. A two percent difference there is four thousand dollars. So, or let's say three percent to get me up to that eight number. Three percent of two hundred six thousand dollars a year. It's not nothing that I'm not getting. I mean, I'm still pro- I'm still profitable. I'm ma- I'm making a six thousand dollar annual bet, right? That this yeah. property is going to pay off long term for me. And I'm like, yeah. I'm one hundred percent. I'm there. I've already made up that money and what the property yeah. has done. Now you know. Now yeah. I get the rent stuff. That'll be nice too. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 a it's a calculated. You know that there's it's a cherry piece of property in an area where there's probably going to be upside on the on on um, on appreciation, and so you know you're taking a little bit a little less today for a bigger payout tomorrow, and you can because your portfolio allows you to do that. It's like dollar cost averaging, you know, in the yeah. stock market, just kind of what dollar cost averaging. These things. What's that? What's your number? Do you have a fixed number or? Is it yeah, it's ten percent. It's ten percent, but but it was ten percent uh, cash on cash, right? It wasn't. Yeah, that was it. It wasn't. It wasn't ten percent factoring in the de- de- depreciation. Um, yeah, so, uh, I think that people have to find what's reasonable in their market. If you came to me and said I have a billion dollars to spend and you'll be my agent, but I want ten percent cash on cash, the way you're describing it. I don't know a point in the last 17 years I've been a broker I could have made a penny off you on commission. Yeah. But yeah. that being said, in a lot of places you can do it. So I think for people listening, you have to find okay, what's a realistic number here, and then go after that. And that's something just that's the insider trading aspect. Or if you're not an agent, having the right agent to help you understand what that looks like. But I get calls yeah. all the time from people who want 10%, they want eight caps, and it's like it doesn't exist. I'm not gonna. It's not there. So, and yeah, every market's, yeah, every market's a little bit different. I mean, that's why we started going down the markets like Tampa and St. Pete, um, you know, in our area, just that's why we haven't bought anything long-term. Actually, I just bought a little river house, but that was more of like a, you know, for the family, possibly Airbnb, little speculation. Yeah. Um, and it's about an hour away from where we live. But we, you know, other than that, I think the last acquisition we had was a, a condo in St. Pete like four years ago, right? Yeah. So for a buy and hold, because the numbers just haven't made sense here in our backyard. But there's lots of people that I know that are investing in Montgomery, Alabama and, you know, different places in North Carolina. They've got connections down there. You know, it, it is, do you, do you own any properties out of state or are you, everything is right in your backyard? I'm a purist. Yeah. <laughs> and and but I believe, I, I believe that you should, you, you know, nobody's going to know, you know, the backyard better than you do. And that's how you inside trade, right? Because you have all the inside knowledge. Um, But there's a lot of people that have done well going outside the market, right? I've I've looked outside and I've never been blown away that the differential, and I'm not saying it's good or bad or or, that's uh, one area is better or worse than any other. I've never looked, and I don't don't want to be in Montgomery, Alabama, just because it's too far. And I I don't know anything about it. I've looked in other areas I know, and of the other areas I know or I'm familiar with, I haven't been like, you know, I don't know what the number is, but there'd have to be like a 50% bump on profitability for me to be excited about going 
somewhere else where I'm baking it a lot of risk, right? Or maybe you you buy it uh, in an area that you know you're pulled to that area for a particular reason. Like maybe you like the vacation there or perhaps yeah. you've got family there. Like St. Louis is another area, which right now it's it's just exploding. Well, my, my wife's family is from St. Louis. And I remember thinking about a decade ago, oh, I should be buying property here in St. Louis, right? Architecture is awesome. Lots of multifamilies, bricks, you know, that just great properties. We lived in St. Louis. My sister went to college there. So we, my dad and I looked there like, let's buy an apartment building and she can live in it and kind of be like, she won't tell anyone she's the manager, but she'll like keep the, an eye on it. And we, we just couldn't make any numbers work. So. Really? How long ago was that? Probably 10 years. Oh, look, a, anywhere you bought 10 years ago, you feel stupid or, or didn't buy, you feel stupid for not. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. And, so, and maybe that's a good lesson for everyone is that just because someone bought 10 years ago doesn't mean they knew what they were doing. Like I tell people very candidly, like I made, I, I made a lot of decisions that were, you know, were not special at the time. And this happened to work out really well. If Inglewood didn't get a train line and a station, uh, a stadium and, you know, prices went five X, I probably wouldn't be on your, your call here. Right. So like some of it's luck, some of it's timing. I think I made some smart moves too, but you know, well, you know, it's interesting. Like I love uh, Guy Raz's podcast, um, how I how built it. Yeah. Right. And he he always asks how much of it was luck, how much of it was hard work, right? And it's everybody kind of answers it's a combination of the two, right? Luck. Yeah. If, if you read Malcolm Gladwell's book Outliers, I believe it's Outliers. He talks about how it's no coincidence that basically like all the great rock bands of the nineties came from Seattle and like a very brief time period, Pearl Jam, Nirvana, Soundgarden. And it's no coincidence that Bill Gates and Paul Allen and Steve Ballmer, who also came from Seattle and were born within 18 months of each other. It's like, there's a lot of factors that led to that. So that maybe we're maybe way off topic here, but no, 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 that's no, it's super interesting. No, it brings me to my, 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 my next question, my final question. Good segue. Right. Yeah. It, it's <laughs> where, where, where do you think we're going here? I mean, like this is the market is on fire as we record yeah. this. There's no inventory, right? Builders haven't built enough product. Uh, mortgage loans have been difficult to get for many years. So it's not like there's that ticking time bomb that's there. Um, what do you think? Right. What if, I, I don't know. What do you, what do you, um, well, how, do, how, are, how are you protecting your downside then is my better question. Here, here's the way I look at it. I haven't sold an investment property since March of last year. Right. So it's now been, and I used to sell a few a month. Um, it's too expensive to, it doesn't make sense in my opinion to buy an investment property to break even or to make a low profit. Um, in California, but I assume in basically everywhere, I mean, there's some pending litigation on this, but you know, there's eviction protections, which are, are, are important. We're not going to have a political or legal discussion about that, but for whatever, whatever it is, there's a lot of risk in owning rental properties right now. Yeah. And so to buy something at a sub four rate of return with risk, it doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. I think as an investor that the risk of a property going up in value, that it would become even less affordable to you as an investor is relatively lower than the chance of property going down in value. Um, and then uh, that's becoming more attractive to you. 
Yeah, obviously I don't know what that looks like because of everything going on. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. I think the the there is a greater risk. I love how you put that. There's a greater risk that it could be less two, three, four years from now, right? Over the long term, it's always been proven to be an awesome asset class, but you just don't want to catch yourself at the wrong time. Um, but interest rates, as they creep up, it will put some some pressure on a lot of that stuff. So we'll see. Maybe yeah. we'll enter into a balanced market at some point in the next six months. And um, we're seeing things are, you know, are like, for example, single family homes are very hot here, especially the, at the middle and higher ends. But, you know, luxury condos, one and a half to two million dollar condos or high rise condos. No one's buying. I mean, people don't want to own those now. Those yeah, that's true. I have clients on one hand who are like, they can't even get a showing at a $3 million house because there's a line out the door. And other clients the same day are like submitting lowball offers on 175 condos because no one's buying them right now. So you could be in a world where apartment buildings, small multifamily, you know, or rental class, single family, single unit, uh, it operates differently than, you know, uh, it, you know, mid-level, upper-level, uh, single-family. So it's possible you have a world where things are going in different direction. We have that right now. So yeah, we have that. We, we it's interesting because we're seeing that in our market too. I mean, condos are there's a glut in condos here in our area, but there's zero single-family homes available on the marketplace. We time to buy condos, right? Time to buy condos for sure. <laughs> okay, well, Richard, any final words of wisdom, right, for anybody that is is looking to buy cash flow properties or, or build what you've built over the long term? What, what are some words of wisdom that you would give them? Final thoughts. First of all, we share the same mantra, do or do not, there is no try. That's I right. have that in my office also. Yeah, I, ha I have that framed in my office too. Every time someone, we don't go to the office anymore. When people come in, they complain about something. I look at the wall, right? Do or do not, there is no try. Um, I don't know. I don't, there's no, I, don't, I don't think this is complicated. I think that if you look at Richard and you want to say that I did something well, I think I had a plan in mind and I execute on a plan. Yeah. I, I did nothing else specifically well. I decided I, – I, that's the answer. I decided that I was going to live off of my rental properties. I was going to live a life by design based on my rental properties so I could choose to work versus have to work. And I built a plan and I worked off my numbers and I bought properties. I didn't buy anything. I, I don't know. Maybe I bought one or two properties off market. Maybe I got one or two like steals, right? I can honestly tell you if you went through every property I've ever owned and you, it's all on MLS, you know, all with like most of them had multiple offers. Most of them I paid over the asking price. Mm -hmm. I, I There's no deal. I wasn't like at the courthouse steps. I wasn't calling people offering 80 cents on the dollar. I bought things. I held on to them. I'm a good manager. You know, my tenants love me. I get Christmas cards from my tenants. I don't even know that's a thing. You know, <laughs> I mean, I'm, a, I'm a nice guy. I take care of my people. Like they pay their rent. They're going to have a nice unit, right? Like that's just how it works. And you take care of them. They take care of you, right? You get Christmas cards from your tenants? No, man. Not one. <laughs> But I do get text messages, right? But I don't get Christmas cards. But I take care of my tenants. I take care of my salespeople, my admin on my team. I treat everyone the right way. And I have an absolute connection in my mind that 
the money coming from this property is going to do something. And as you know, and, and a lot of people listening know, when you do something because you have to, you perform at one level, right? But if you like, we'll do a sports analogy. Watch the way LeBron James of the Los Angeles Lakers plays basketball, right? Like he has a passion and a vision to win championships. And you can see it every day on the court. If you have a passion and a vision to have an endpoint goal, you'll perform a different way at your job, whether it's real estate sales or whatever else you're doing. And that will lead you to the income you need to buy properties. And the last thing I'll say from Tim Ferriss, the four hour work, I'm a big fan. Um, you should get him on your call too. He's he's a good draw. Yeah, he's back. Right there. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> with with notes, right? I love it. Um hang on a sec. Or it, <clears throat> I took it off. Oh, here. Huh. I also have this one from uh oh, there you go. <laughs> um I look, uh we're about the same age, right? 40-ish ish right so yeah you're a little younger than me you're like yeah, yeah. well you and you look better than me so like it's even now no, right? man, would, would say you're 40 it's crazy i'm like he's 40 he's young yeah. he's young. but i think what people should realize is i'll tell you one last story sorry i think it's a good one i told you this before probably about 2010 i called my first buyer's agent peter and I said, Peter, I just bought this house. When I retire at 65, these will all be paid off. I was probably about, you know, I was about 30 years old then, or something like that. I'm gonna make $10,000 a month when I'm retired. And that was like, okay, what a dumb moment. So what Tim Ferriss says in forward, he's like, don't plan on like working till you retire. Like that's dumb. You're old and decrepit when you're 65, right? Or potentially. Yep. Make a plan where I tell all my salespeople, you can make enough money in real estate sales and investments to retire in 10 to 15 years. Make that plan and actually enjoy your money, right? The, yeah. it's, the, the goal is not to die with the most money. The goal is to have the most fun while you're living, right? So that was ineloquent, but I'll end on that. No, no, I love that. There's a, there's a book. Uh, I haven't read it, but I saw I saw an interview. I think who was interviewing Tim Ferriss might have been interviewing him. It's called uh, Die With Zero, right? Have you heard of, heard of the book? No, I'm going to write it down. Yeah, it's called Die With Zero. And and I, I watched the interview and I remember re, like listening to it and and recommending the book to my best friend who owns a uh, recruiting company, a technical sales rec uh, recruiting company that, that I helped him start when we were babies, when we were like in our early twenties and he's done a really, he, he's, he's got this number. He's like, when I hit that number, then I'm going to have fun. When I hit that, the, I'm like, dude, you got, you got to have fun now. <laughs> right. It's like, go. Yeah. I just watched this, this interview with this guy and the book is called die with zero. And literally, you know, two days later he called me. He's like, dude, that, that book is speaking my language, speaking to me. I'm like, good. I'm glad you got plenty of money, man. Like, I bet you his number has changed. I bet you is I'll I'll retire here, here. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna zoom. And then the, then the number was here, and now it's here. Yeah, yeah. It, keeps, it doesn't stop. It doesn't stop. And and one of the you know I guess right before you and I jumped on, you said you just got done with uh, how long was the hike? Nine mile hike. Nine miles. Yeah, two thousand feet of gain. It was a good one. That's yeah. awesome. That's awesome. So this has provided freedom of time. For yeah. you, which is important. You've got little kids, which is amazing that you have the ability to, to, to spend that time. You had a very specific plan. You're, I believe that you're, 
your spreadsheet, that spreadsheet that you have, it's very connected for you, right? Yeah. I remember hearing Gary say, hey, you've got to have, you got to you got to look at your net worth and you've got to look at all the, the moving parts that kind of play into that and reflect on it on a weekly or a, a monthly basis, right? I update it on the seventh of every month. I update my net worth, my cash flows, and I track it. Yeah. Is that, is that when you look at, do you look at it during the month at all? Or do you look at it just on the seventh of every month? And that's if what there's a change, yes. So if I have a new tenant, I say, oh, I have this cash flow has changed a little bit. But if no, I, I don't generally. But then on the seventh, I spend some time with it uh, okay. and jump in. Richard, I think that that is the secret sauce, right? Everybody that I've ever talked to that has has built something, they they have that spreadsheet and they're constantly looking at it and looking at the inter interrelationship between assets that they purchased, their net worth gain, the cash flows that come out of it. And they, they reflect on that. Right. Yeah. But if you don't, if you don't have that, you're literally flying blind. Right. Yeah. I think that's the, that's the lesson. That's the lesson. Yeah. Well, brother, thank you so much for sharing. Good to see you. Yeah. Good to see you too. It's dark. It's got, it got dark here real fast. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, not for you. Not for you. Yeah, not yet. Here. I'm looking forward to it, man. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing you sometime live soon. And uh, thanks. November, I'm holding out hope for. Yeah, man. Let's do it. You take care. Thanks, right, Richard. Dude. Bye, man. Bye,